Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm Colby. I'm the lead pastor here. So I say welcome um, to our live stream. Um, to our live services. If you have been here for the last um, few weeks or this is your first week, um, we would love to get to know who you are. We'd love to get you connected um, into our community uh, this, this September. I can't believe it's September already, but um, in a few weeks from now, we're actually launching community groups. And one of the best ways to be a part of this church that we actually haven't physically launched in a location at a physical service, but we actually are a church, a movement of people gathered together around a mission, a vision, and that vision is Jesus. Um, so if you love to be connected to us um, or to join us, if you're like, I'm lonely, I'd love to be connected, um, we meet in community groups for roughly about um, eight to ten weeks, and they talk weekly about the sermon um, that's, that's posted out on a Sunday morning, and you can just kind of gather in someone's home or probably in the very, you know, first couple weeks of a community group in someone's backyard and just kind of like talk, pray for each other, um, share a bit of your life. And these are moments where I think that we can actually find authentic and real community that we're looking for, that people are looking for, um, for friends in a pandemic. I think people are more lonely than ever. You know, I saw, I saw a stat just recently that said that 25% of teenagers, young adults in the States have thought about suicide in the last four months. I think there's a need for us to have this authentic and human connection, and we believe it can be found in a community group. So how do you get connected? You go on our website, livefree.church community, and um, you can go in there and just fill out your name information, and we'll try to find a spot for you. This is why I say to people all the time about community groups, is that it's a very unique fit you know what I mean? Like when you go to like buy a pair of jeans, um, you just don't go to Costco and buy a pair of jeans, right? No offense if you buy jeans at Costco, but usually they don't fit you properly, right? Like finding the right pair of jeans takes, takes time, takes finding the right size, the right length, the right cut, right? I think community, sometimes we, just, we assume that because we're Christians or because um, we're a church that you just have natural affinity with people, but that's not true always that there is sometimes natural affinity. We actually want to find that real authentic fit that you can find friends with, not just for the next eight weeks, but for the rest of your life. So join us. We would love for you to be a part of it. Go to livefree.church and just scroll down the page and click on the community tab, and we would love to get you connected. This past week, we talked about this idea of how do we live our lives um, knowing that our lives are brief. Go back and watch last week's, and it's kind of like this whole idea of end times living. I think sometimes for right now that people are very fearful that, that we're in the end times, but it's not focusing on when is the end time. It's actually how do we live right now knowing that there is an end. There's a goal of all things coming. Right? We, think about, we think about end times and the way you live your life. A lot of times people associate that with suffering and pain. Right? That we actually, I think, um, struggle with suffering and pain. The purpose of Peter's letter to people, roughly written in 64 AD, is that people are actually suffering and dying for their faith. People are really struggling for their faith. He gives them hope, not to change their circumstance, but to find hope in midst of their circumstances. To hope in Christ in their circumstances. 
that they actually find, he's trying to say, is that Peter's trying to say, is that you find, hope, you find hope, you find comfort in something, whatever that is. I have no idea what you find your hope and comfort in. But here's the thing, when you struggle or when you suffer, like what's your posture? How do you process it? Are you surprised by it? Are you kind of like caught off guard? You're like, oh my goodness, what is going on here? I think so often our lives are caught off guard by suffering, caught off guard by struggle, right? Like the fact is that that suffering isn't a normal thing that we face every day. That in North America, if you live in this beautiful city called Kelowna, like it's a pretty remarkable place. Like I don't see, you don't, you don't see a lot of suffering and pain in people's lives unless you're driving down Leon Avenue. Right? But how do you process it? Is it something that destroys you and makes you feel alone and helpless? Is your suffering something that makes you feel so uncomfortable? But here's the thing I want us to know today is that that whether you believe in this or not, whether you believe in Jesus or not, that you find comfort in something when you struggle. If we go back, you know, the first few, few weeks of the pandemic, we're all locked down. Like, what did we do? <laughs> right? Like, I, I heard this, this interview, and it said that, that almost like Netflix, like, knew that there was, like, not going to be a pandemic, but as soon as the pandemic hit, they're like, release Tiger King. Right? Like, release a show so that people can binge and watch it because I think for us, so often that we want to be distracted in our discomfort. There's this passage today that talks specifically about this, that, that what do you find kind of your functional Savior? What do you find your comfort in? It says here in 1 Peter chapter 12, you have your Bibles, go there. Um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and we use a CS, CSB Bible, and um, if you want to get, go online, Amazon, buy it. It's a great, great translation. It's very accurate, very readable. Um, there's a great Bible you can buy called He Reads Truth or She Reads Truth, which is really an incredible, um, like, study Bible for you to help actually read through um, Gospels or through Old Testament, New Testament. Here's what it says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. It says here, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeals come among you to test you as if, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. If it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then... Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. It starts off in verse 13, this incredible passage. And it says here that, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeals comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. See, right here, Peter's giving us a command. He's saying to us, 
You know, you shouldn't be surprised when things happen, when trials happen, when struggles happen, right? You shouldn't be taken off guard because if you've lived any length of life, you realize that, that there are struggles, ordeals, trials that you're going to go through, right? Like, why do you, why do you and I, why do I think it's, it's strange when we struggle or suffer, go through trials, See, actually, the Jews in this time were unable to believe that Jesus was a Messiah because he did suffer. Like, what kind of God, they'd say, what kind of God would send his son to Golgotha to die on a cross? See, Peter's saying here is that we're not to think it as strange. Right? Like, the word he uses here, this, this word strange, is the one that we get the word from, the, the term uh, xenophobia, xenophobia, and really it's a phobia or fear of strangers, people who do not fit into our mold. He actually wants his, his readers to understand that the trials are not without a purpose. That though we suffer for a moment, the goal of God in our suffering is our redemption, not our destruction. Do you believe that? The goal of God in our suffering is our redemption, not our destruction. I was talking to my counselor this past week about uh, my life and some struggles I've had in the past couple years. He said this amazing thing to me, which kind of really shook me. He said here, like, he's like, when you look at your life, and he's like, you talk sometimes about brokenness. And he's like, when you look at your life, do you live out of your brokenness or do you live out of your redemption? And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I live my life out of. I think it's so often easy to, to live of our brokenness knowing that we are broken and flawed people. But if, you're, if you believe, if your faith and trust, if your comfort is in Jesus, you don't just stay in your brokenness, your trials. That actually, what happens is that Jesus is trying to redeem you and eventually will restore you. I think that's the reason why I need a church. I need community. I need a community group around me to remind me to not be, live in my day-to-day brokenness. That maybe that's where I find my comfort in knowing that I'm not enough. But in Christ, I am enough. See, Peter is saying here is that we can find ultimately redemption. We can find redemption and ultimately comfort in Christ's suffering. But then in this verse, verse 13, when it says the fiery, fiery ordeals, like what is that? What is the fire, right? It's referenced from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. It says here, so that, so proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, like, it's kind of paraphrased. It says here, like don't be surprised at the fiery trial that comes upon you to prove you. That's what, as I paraphrase that, that's what it's literally saying here. That the, the trials, the, the fire, the test, it's coming to prove. You know, it actually comes from the, the root word, which actually means to poke or pierce. Right? Like, 
this fire that's coming is actually poking and piercing your life, seeing what you really value. If you want to see what something's really like, if you want to see if someone really believes what they believe, what do you do? You poke it, you pierce it, you challenge it, you ask about it. Think about a refiner's fire for a second here. That physically, if you put ore or metal into a fire that contains both the pure and the impure, what happens? It burns off the worthless. And you find the worthy, the pure metal, and the extras. But the extras get burned off. See, in normal conditions, when you look at a piece of iron, if you actually look at like a piece of like gold, right? Like a, a fool's gold. But specifically, look at iron ore, ore. Both the metal and the extras almost look like they're infused together. That you can't separate them. That you can't tell where one starts and where one ends. That actually, in normal temperature, you just can't tell the difference. But what happens when you put them in the fire? When you put that ore in the fire, what happens? It creates separation. That the fire creates, creates, a, creates a condition in which the two substances can't be together anymore. That the pure can't handle the pure can handle the fire, but the impure can't handle the fire and is burned away. See, the true can handle it, but the false cannot. Therefore, this, the fire, which I think Peter's alluding to, separates the two. It separates them out, the pure from the unpure. See, troubles and trials are all about trust. Like if you have a divided heart and you don't know it, you have an allegiance to something. Like, you'll never know it until you go through a fire, until you go through a trial. Like, what do you really believe at the core of your life until you go through a fire, through a trial? Just like that piece of ore. Like, you can't really tell how pure it is until you put it through a fire and see what is left because the impure can't stand the fire and the pure can See, in the same way, we have allegiances all the time. We have allegiance to things. We put our comfort in almost anything. But you have no idea what those things are. And a lot of times that in my early 20s, I had no idea what they were until a trial came up and I knew what I really believed and why I believed it. See, so often that we put our functional trust in those comforts, what Peter's trying to say here is that the fire comes not to make you feel like you're going to die or struggle or what it's trying to do is God's trying to burn off all the extra stuff if you believe in Jesus. All the extra stuff that you find your functional trust in so you can actually trust in Jesus. There's a great quote I saw this past week. And it says here that there's no atheist today that everyone worships something. What it's trying to say here is that everybody finds comfort in something. A fire is, a tr- as a fire is any trouble, any suffering that divides up those allegiances, those things that you find your identity and your value in, the things that you worship, the things that you, you daydream about, that you fantasize about. Like, man, if I only had this much, or I've only had this kind of money, if I only had a house, if I only had a better car, if I only had a family, if I only had a better marriage, if I only had this, like, 
You know, if I only had enough time to watch the Netflix show, if I only had enough time to go to the beach every day, if I only had enough time to have a, a wake surf boat, enough money and time. You see, if fire is any trouble, any suffering that divides up your allegiances, that shows you the differences, that shows you what you've literally put your comfort in. You can't refine metal ore without heat. In the same way, you can't, I don't think you can learn to grow into deep trust with God without struggles and trials. See, a fire in your life, a refiner's fire shows you what you find comfort in. But a fire can show you how to find comfort in Christ, ultimately. I think for a lot of people, when we look at their suffering and their struggle and trials, when the fires get in your life get really, really, really hot, and all you've done is built your life on just good behavior and moralism and, and religiosity and just trying as hard as you can, not knowing that Christ has accomplished everything on the cross for you, it's so easy to throw the towel in. Say, enough, I'm done. I'm like, I'm tired of Christianity. I'm tired of the faith. See, whenever those things are threatened, the things that you find comfort in, whatever those things look like, they're actually so often slipping out of our graphs when we're in a, tr- in a trial or fire. See, the, when there's a fire, a trial in our life, Peter's saying here, there's a fork in the road and you, have a, you can have allegiance to this thing, this comfort, or you have allegiance to God, but you can't have allegiance to both. You have to go down a road. There's a fork in the road. That's how you know you're in the fire, is that when you get to the, the end of the fork in the road, you just say, well, am I going to trust this over here? This comfort, or am I going to trust God? See, unless you suffer, unless there are troubles, unless there's grief and loss, you don't really know what you trust in. So I think we all start the Christian life by saying, I trust in God. Absolutely, I trust in God. I live for him. I want to worship him. I want to give my life to him. But the fact is that there are many, many other things alongside of God that you put your trust in. You trust in this and that and whatever it is for you. That you have no idea how much you put your trust in them. You found comfort in them until they're threatened. You have no idea how much allegiance you have to the, the comforts and the, the idol, I, idols, the ideas you have until, they're, until the fires and the trials come up, until your health is threatened, until your bank balance is threatened, until your marriage is threatened, until the relationships are threatened. So you have no idea how much you have allegiance bound up to these comforts until they're threatened or they need to be removed or destroyed by the fire. See, where do you find your comfort? Like life has a way of poking and piercing those things that we find comfort in. Like maybe it's just me. Maybe that's the way I feel, but I think for me that time 
in life has a way of poking and piercing those things that maybe I've put my comfort in. My health of my family. My bank balance. Like moving to Kelowna was very insecure, very uncomfortable for us. When we moved here, we didn't know about jobs or paychecks. We didn't know about where we'd get money, if people would even follow us. Right? Like, I feel like there's this chapter read in this book this past week about the honest guy to church planting, where it said that, that there's a great weakening when you plant a church. That when you start to plant a church, you think, I am so strong, I can do this. But actually, what happens was that God realizes, He shows you that you actually aren't strong, that you're actually weak. And that's a great place to start. Because so often, it's so easy to find comfort in anything. Like, look around us in Kelowna, right? Like, we have an incredible wineries, like, you know, you can go to happy hour anytime you want. Like, I think there's an element where, for us, in Kelowna, I think people drink like I've never seen before. Like, enjoying a great glass of wine is an incredible thing, but, but drinking until you're hammered, where you're medicating the pain away deep down inside of you, like that's where you start to find, tr- find trust or comfort. See, you can find a comfort or trust in anything, even great things. But they can never satisfy you like Jesus can. They can never be true comfort like Jesus is. That's what Peter's trying to say here. See, what does it look like to find comfort in Jesus? One, it looks, looks like looking to Christ. In verse 13, it says here, instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ. See, it doesn't mean that you have to suffer. It doesn't mean you have to rejoice in the pain. It means you find comfort in Christ. That your suffering and your pain, there will always be redemption like Christ was redeemed on the cross. It's not minimizing your pain or your suffering before Jesus was led to the cross, right, what does he do? He's, he's crying, sweating blood on the cross. He's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, I think what happens is people, when they see this, this passage about just rejoicing, they're like, yeah, I just have to be happier in my pain, my suffering. That's not it. But you also have to understand that there's going to be ultimately redemption through Jesus. that the moments of your pain and suffering, that you don't find hope in your circumstances or grief in your circumstances, but you find hope in Christ. The second thing is that you find your true identity. You know, in, in verse 15 and 16, it says here, let, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. Right? Like you have an identity. An identity means that you live out of that. It means you live out of that obedience. It's pretty easy to disobey. When you go through strugg- struggles and troubles, what Peter's trying to say here is it's very easy to stop praying. It's so easy to stop being a part of the community. It's not e- so easy to stop going to church. It's easy to move on from your life, if it's been about moralism, if it's about being as living up to a standards, a human standard. 
It's very easy to stop serving people because you're so absorbed in your own troubles. It's very easy to have this kind of like the self-pity. It's easy to turn your back on God and get into what we probably call escape sins. Right? Things you know are wrong, but things you can actually find comfort in because they actually help you overcome how bad you feel about your circumstance and your trial. See, obeying Jesus, following him, means that doesn't mean you just have to be a better person. That's not what we're trying to say here, is that you find your identity in Christ, and he slowly changes your heart, your posture. He changes everything about you. It's like not like just like another brick that you add into your life. It's like there's a foundational bricks, and you just put Jesus in on that top of that brick. It's like Jesus, when he comes into your life, blows up all of those bricks, and then he actually rebuilds them in his order. See, having him inform your identity can give you comfort that you won't be destroyed when the trials of your life come at you because they're going to come at you eventually. The third thing is a love for us to commit to life, commit your life to what actually matters. You know, it says here at the very end of this passage, it says, So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. See, the word commit means to make a deposit, right? The only deposit, you only deposit yourself in a bank that's insured, a bank that you're sure of. You think about the bank of life, like there's no assurance in this life except for Jesus. That you could walk out of your house this morning and have a heart attack. But what are you depositing your life in? See, why can you trust God? Why can you put your faith in him when you're going through struggles or when you're in trials, when the fire is burning, all those extra things that you find comfort in? See, why can you say, Lord, I don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know what is happening, but I trust you. And here's why, because there's no other religions in the world that have what we have. There's no other faiths that have this. There's a lot of other, there's other wisdom in other religions Christianity is the only religion where you have that, a God that actually suffers. See, Jesus Christ suffered socially everything that you ever have to suffer. Rejection, loneliness. He suffered physically more than we can ever understand. He suffered spiritually. See, he experienced tremendous alienation and desolation being cut off from from God in ways that none of us have ever experienced or will ever experience. See, here's a God who knows suffering. When you go to, go to him and say, I'm suffering, he's the only God, the only religion that'll say, I know what you mean. Just think about it. Every other religion says, go to God. All other gods are depicted in other religions. And what do they say? You better be good. You better measure up. You better try harder. They don't even know. They don't even know what it's like to be hurt, to suffer. They don't know what it's like to be lonely. They don't know what it's like to be suffering death. See, Jesus isn't saying to us, just be good. He's saying, I am good. I suffered. So your suffering, your trials don't actually 
define your life. But they can expose the things that you find comfort in. And ultimately, Christ wants to redeem and restore us. So you can find, I want us to know this today, I want us to kind of think through this. So you can find comfort in Christ, in obeying him, in the great moments of your life and also in the awful moments of your life. You can find comfort knowing that you are committing your life to what matters most, and that's his kingdom. It's not saying, I want to escape this world, but saying, God, no, your kingdom come on earth for me and my neighbors to know you in a radical, incredible way. That there's people who don't know you, that we want you to, to show yourself to them just like you showed yourself to us. That ultimately, when you put your, your life, your faith, your trust in Christ, when you find your comfort in him, your life is dedicated to Jesus, and that's what matters most. A God who knows you, who loves you, and has been relentlessly pursuing you for your whole life. Let's pray. God, you know us. You search our hearts and you know the things that we struggle with or the things that we find our hope and comfort in. And Lord, I pray that when we face struggles or uncertainty or trials, Lord, that the things that we put our comfort in would get burned away and that ultimately we'd find satisfaction and comfort in you. That we'd, we'd look to you. That we'd see ourselves in you. Father, I'm so thankful that, that we have a God when we say that we're lonely and we're isolated, we're broken, that you know exactly what we mean and you comfort us. And ultimately, Jesus, we can find comfort knowing you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.